Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day. I am Calvin, one of the pastors at Christian Layman Church, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce our speakers for this morning. We are continuing in our current message series called A Whole New World, based on the book of Ephesians, where the Apostle Paul, the author, is telling the church at Ephesus of a whole new way of thinking and living that Jesus brought to us that's totally different from the world's way. We are in chapter five, where this new radical way is applied practically in common relationships many of us have in our daily lives. Today, we invited a young couple in our church, Jared and Tiffany Lucas, who will give us their perspective on what it means to have a gospel-centered marriage. So let's welcome them now to you, Jared and Tiffany. Hello, good morning, CLC. Um, uh, welcome to our living space. Thanks for letting us into your living rooms and on your laptop screens. Um, you're probably asking, how did we get here? Well, the short answer is um, Caitlin invited us and Caitlin is also watching our child right now in case anyone is concerned about that. Um, so thank you, Caitlin, for uh, getting us here. But um, the longer answer is um, the story starts when I started coming to CLC, um, I came here on a recommendation of a friend after I moved back to the Bay Area. And uh, when I filled out the communication form, it wasn't online then, I guess on paper, um, I ended up getting connected with Pastor Andrew and Pastor Andrew gave me a call on my uh, drive to work one day. And I had a conversation with him and he told me that um, he had the perfect home group for me. And I assumed that was because it was the closest in proximity to my house. Um, little did I know that he was a uh, thinking ahead and uh, put me in the young adult um, home group, which was at that time led by Jared and Quest and a number of other people. Um, I showed up at the first home group session at their apartment in Alameda. Um, Jared, this was in January of 2017. Um, Jared had uh, decided over the winter break, even though he's an adult and there was no winter break, <laughs> to grow out his beard and mustache. And so I met him and uh, that was that. And then the next week he shaved it all off because um, he was uh, going back to work uh, like a normal human. <laughs> and I saw him again and I didn't recognize him. So for those of you who think that uh, you need to meet and fall in love with your husband at, on first sight, uh, that was not the case. Um, so thank you, Pastor Andrew, for putting me in their home group. Uh, the rest is kind of history. Um, if we kind of Put up the slide here. You can see where we went after that. Um, we ended up getting married in uh, Berkeley uh, by someone that we all know, Pastor Andrew, right there. Um, thank you for leading us through and guiding us um, all the way to being at the altar, um, getting married, and then now we're here. Um, so we now have a six-month-old daughter named Carissa. Thank you, Caitlin, again for watching her. Um, and uh, this is Jared's first chance to have a Father's Day. So thank you for letting us be here. And uh, we're going to just jump right in. Yeah, so uh, if you've been following along with CLC, as Pastor Calvin just mentioned, we are in a sermon series going through the, the book of Ephesians uh, titled A Whole New World. Uh, and if you remember from just a couple weeks ago, Caitlin was sharing this like big picture structure of Ephesians, where chapters one through three are really just explanation um, and description of the gospel. Uh, and then chapters four through six are application. And so we've been going through application for the last couple of weeks, um, and today we are diving into the latter half of Ephesians 5, um, and this is the application of the, of the gospel in the context of the marriage relationship. So 
for all of you that are listening that are not married, um, I'd, I'd encourage you not to tune out just yet. Um, and yes, I get it. This, this passage is very much predominantly directed towards married people and that marriage relationship. Um, but hopefully uh, what you'll get to hear today from, from us and our, our stories and message is uh, that Paul continues to just paint that picture of the gospel as it applies to our lives and in every space. And it just happens to be as part of the um, part of the marriage relationship. But that gospel story is relevant for anyone and everyone, regardless of marital status. So I'd encourage you to, to tune in as well. And um, hopefully we'll be able to re- remind you of the gospel uh, and you'll be encouraged by that. Um, so before we jump in, I'm going to pray for us really quickly and then we'll, we'll dive into the passage. So pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Um, we thank you for the chance to dive into your word and to uh, wrestle with it and, and see how it applies. Uh, and God, we thank you that um, your gospel is, is really in the center of this all. And, and we, as we get to talk about marriage and the marriage relationship, get to revisit the gospel and what Christ did uh, for us. And so I pray that uh, just this morning that you'd be able to speak clearly through Tiffany and me and, and that we would really just be humble servants to proclaim what you've already spoken through your word. Um, I pray for open hearts to hear your message and to hear your gospel. Um, and I, I just ask that people are encouraged uh, by the stories that you've given us to share uh, with our church. Uh, so we thank you and we pray for your blessing over this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'm going to read the passage for us this morning, uh, and then I'll pass it back to to Tiffany to get us started. So uh, this is Ephesians 5, uh, verses 22 through 33. So it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, Love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water through the with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, uh, before we dive in, I just a brief acknowledgement over this passage. Um, I, I know that there have been lots of times where Maybe this passage has been portrayed in a way that has been negative. Um, I, I'm reminded of, of Jana's sermon a couple of weeks ago where she talks about how Christians use the same verses um, both to champion good and also to champion uh, things that were, were evil or bad. And um, we, we acknowledge that there's some controversy here uh, and, and in the language and in the words that are given. Um, our, our hope today is that we can focus really on, again, the, the picture that as Tiffany and I went through this, this passage, we were really reminded and centered on the gospel. And so... Um, hopefully through our stories and, and our experiences, we're able to, to just proclaim how God has allowed us to live this out in our own uh, marriage relationship. And so I'm going to pass it on to Tiffany to, to kind of bring us through the first part. Um, so one of the reasons that we said yes to doing this was because we hope to be able to spend time setting the word together, especially about marriage um, as a newly-ish married couple. Um 
for me, when I read this passage, especially having grown up in the church and kind of hearing it used in different ways, as uh, Jared just mentioned, I get caught up in the rules, um, kind of the description of what you need to do, what uh, things need to be checked off the list so that you have a good uh, like definition, perfect marriage. Um, but what we ended up doing was reading um, the verses out loud to each other in various versions. Um, and what did we see? We really ended up focusing on the fact that the gospel is here. Um, we'll put up kind of where it is um, in verse 25. The second half of verses 25 through 27. Let me just read it again. Um, it says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. That's the gospel, that that's the glorious inheritance that Paul has been reminding the people of Ephesus about this whole letter. Um, for the past few weeks, um, as Jared mentioned, we've been going through Ephesians and being reminded that there's a whole new world that's promised us as Christians who are set apart um, or different than other people. So um, we're in this second half of Ephesians now where he moves on to application of how we live in this whole new world. And he first addresses this covenant relationship of marriage. Um, he's going to go into a bunch of uh, relationship descriptions, but the first of this is marriage. And why is this the first one that he addresses? Um, because I think the people that are here that are married um, know this better than we do even. You know that the gospel is essential for us to live out these the, the marriage relationship as God intends us to. Um, we found this quote as we were preparing by Martin Lloyd-Jones, and I'll read it to you. Um, I think we have it on slide too. Yeah. The danger is that we should think of marriage amongst Christians as essentially the same as it is with everyone else. The only difference being that these two people happen to be Christians, whereas the others are not. Now, if that is still our conception of marriage, we have considered this great paragraph entirely in vain. Christian marriage, the Christian view of marriage is something that is essentially different from all views. So this reminded us that the gospel should change everything, every relationship you have. It changes the way that you see and interact with the world. In the context of marriage, um, we as a couple know that if we put God and the good news of the gospel as our focus, we will live differently. Um, and so Jared and I are going to share some examples of how we think this has happened in our lives. And um, I'm sure there's people that are older and wiser or just pure, purely wiser than us that have other examples. So please um, hang out with other people in this church. Um, do community with CLC, which we love, um, and you'll, you'll hear more stories, but this is our small slice of it. Um, so for me, my inclination, as many of you might imagine that know me well, is to work to gain my way, um, to do as many tasks as possible to be the good wife, the good mom, the good doctor. Um, I look horizontally around me um, for at the people at work, at home, in community for a validation that what I've done is good. Um, so I kind of look around and I and maybe people will call this people pleasing. Um, uh, as you can imagine, that means that when I read this passage at first glance, I think about what do I need to do to have a good marriage? Um, that's my inclination and that's what I see first. But in marriage relationship, Jared shows me how a gospel-centered marriage could be different. Um, so uh, this is kind of a typical, typical story of us. Um, after a long day of work um, for both of us, we usually throw something together for dinner pretty quickly. Um, for those who have an Instant Pot, we're big fans. Um, we set Chris in her high chair to give her some solid food to try, um, have some fun time together. And we eat at the perfect old person's time of 5.30 p.m. on the dot. We're usually done at dinner by 6 p.m. Um, after dinner, though, Jared has this 
need to lay on the couch for at least five minutes, usually play a game of Wii chess, for those of you who know that, who, what that is, um, while Carissa kind of uh, plays on her own. Um, I, on the other hand, tend to rush to the sink, uh, try to do the dishes immediately. And usually during that time, I tend to complain out loud about how long a day I had. And I usually find myself holding it against him um, that he's laying on the couch playing Lee chess, that he didn't hop up and do the dishes first. I'd like to think that everyone who's married does this, um, getting up and doing some errand around the house um, while rubbing it in the other person's face. I'm not really a fan of what other people do this. So I really hate to confess that I do this, uh, basically being passive aggressive. So sorry. Um, but Jared has reminded me before that this desire to get dishes cleaned immediately in the half hour or 15 minutes after dinner is totally a self-imposed expectation. Um, he doesn't love me any less if that's not done. Um, I'm not any worse of a wife or a person if I don't live up to that random standard that I set for myself. This is just a teeny example of grace, Jared's um, com comments to me. Um, he tells me that he sees me in a different way than I see myself. He already accepts that I am the good wife. Um, he doesn't base it on whether the dishes are done by a certain time. And let's be real. He also taught me how to use a dishwasher, which for those of you who don't know, is a magical thing that washes dishes if you just put them in the rack just like you would if you were drying them. Anyway, I digress. Um, when I think of the gospel and really sit in what it means, it's asking me to die to myself and submit to God's grace to accept that he's already redeemed me and it's not by my works. It's a reminder that instead of looking for something horizontally with the people around me, what I need is something vertical with God. In a gospel-centered marriage, Jared's job is to point me to the gospel, to give me glimpses of the grace that God provides. Um, as we were looking things up for this, we came across a kind of hokey and probably not etymological etymologically sound explanation of submission. Um, it means sub mission, taking on the mission together, uh, being under one mission. So Jared makes it easy for me to submit to him because he gives me grace. He looks at me and tells me that what I've done is good enough. And in fact, maybe not necessary for the mission. He reminds me that our mission as a married couple is to live out the gospel. Um, and so to kind of summarize what I've told you, um, I wrote this out. The gospel gives us grace and submission to that grace allows us to remember that our standing in Christ is known. We'll give Jared's example now. Yeah, so, so as we move along in this passage, right, there, there's the command given to the wives, and then there's this commandment given to the husbands. And, and the one given to the husbands is, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And, like, when people think of marriage, one of the first things they, they probably think of is love. Uh, and they think of romantic love, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're going on dates, we're spending time together, we're caring for each other. And, and sure, those are, like, fruits of the express, of, like, expressing love to one another, uh, but the command given to husbands here is is more than that, right? It is, we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. So the word for love used in this particular uh, uh, verse is, is agape love. It is unconditional, unselfish love. It's the love that Christ had for the church, right? And it's Christ loved the church first, right? Before they did anything, they even rejected him. Um, and so this analogy to marriage means that husbands should be loving of their wives, regardless of circumstance. Christ's love for the church was not dependent on the church loving him in return. Now, 
when, when I was trying to think of an example for this morning's message, uh, I started by trying to think of stories in which I like outwardly expressed and loved Tiffany well, and, and maybe something extravagant I did for her or a time I went way out of my way to, to meet her needs. And I quickly realized that I was like, mm, maybe it's about time I, I planned something special for her. Uh, but, but joking aside, like I, I realized that those kinds of acts of love are, are not exactly the, the kind of love that is pictured and displayed here in this passage. Right, the love here is depicted as Christ's love for the church. He gave himself up for her, and he did not think of himself before thinking of her when he died on the cross. And though he had every authority to say, like, I am, I am one with God, and these people should love me, or these people don't love me in return, so why should I love them? He instead chose to love, and he chose to put the care of the church first. So, I think when we often hear this analogy in this passage, right, we, we, we think of husbands and, and we're always like, oh, yeah, the husband would, you know, definitely take a bullet for his wife or his kids or his family. Right. Um, but, but Christ's love for the church wasn't just about dying for it. And I think we always jump to that conclusion. Right. But, but the love of the, the, the dying for the church was really just a result of the unselfish and unconditional love that Christ had already for the church. Um, we as husbands are therefore like equally meant to love our wives uh, with that unselfish, unconditional love. So uh, just last weekend, Tiffany and I were, were visiting my parents. Um, and if you know me, you know that one of my all-time favorite hobbies is to go wakeboarding and just spend time out on the boat with, with uh, my family. And so like, what, what does that look like now that we have a six-month-old? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little insight. It, it basically means that after work on Friday, we pack up the car and drive two hours north, hoping and praying that Carissa will sleep or at least not cry the whole time um, and that we'll be able to make it there in one shot without stopping. And then we arrive well past uh, Tiffany's normal bedtime these days, which is usually coincides with when we get Carissa to sleep. You know, they say sleep when the baby sleeps, right? And that's, that's probably another key to, to a happy marriage, but uh, that's for another time. But... <clears throat> Anyway, well past bedtime, uh, and then just to get out on the lake and, and to get out there before other people do, we wake up at the crack of dawn, and we bundle Carissa up in a bunch of clothes and stick her in what is probably a very super uncomfortable and bulky life vest, and uh, Frank, you can cue that picture there. Um, and by then, we've done it. We made it to the lake, uh, and I can enjoy the sport that I love, uh, and honestly, with COVID and now with the baby, this is something that uh, I just really have not been able to do that often over this past year. And so usually we'll be out on the lake for many hours, taking turns, riding behind the boat, and basically go until physically exhausted and can't go any longer, right? And, and while I like to think that Tiffany has fun out there too, um, I, I know that this is definitely my activity. Uh, and then also now with the baby, her focus is definitely on keeping Carissa on a schedule, right? Making sure she still naps, still trying to feed her while we're out on the boat. Um, and that, that's all pretty cumbersome when we're out there. So... By now, we've had our turns riding behind the boat, uh, and Carissa's kind of intermittently sleeping and not feeding so well, especially in the warm sun. Uh, and I can tell that Tiffany gets, like, a little bit anxious, especially when needs of our child are, are not being met, like, we usually, like, our routine or our schedule. So I have a decision to make. Do I look at just how much effort we, we, we expended to get there, right? We, we drove there. We, we got little sleep, and now we're out on the lake. Um, do I remind Tiffany of like, hey, this is like the one of the few times I get to enjoy the thing that I really love? 
Or do I get to pause and take the example of the unselfish love that Jesus demonstrated, who did not put his desires um, above loving the church and making her clean? This is the command that is given to husbands here in this passage, right? It says, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And then in verse 28, it says, uh, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. And I don't take this to mean like husbands should love their wife as they love their bodies, right? Because Paul follows this up immediately with this example of husbands uh, leaving families to, and, and joining with their wife in one flesh, right? So I think this is really just a picture of, of Paul saying like, husbands, you are to love your wife because she is part of you, because you are one flesh. So the, the command to love here for husbands and to love their wives practically, practically plays out, uh, not just as being willing to, to die for our wife, right? But it is to daily lay down our selfishness, to love and care uh, for our wives. It is that decision for me to choose to end our boating day earlier than I normally would have, because that is a way that I can care for Tiffany and care, like show her that I care for her child, which is another way of indirectly kind of loving her. So to the husbands out there, like loving our wives, sure, it includes those big extravagant displays of affection. And, you know, we should keep doing that, right? Um, but let's not keep that at the core, right? At the very core, it is these small daily decisions to lay down our selfishness and to use our role to love our wives. And so I want you to take a second just to think of like in your own life, what are the areas where you might easily choose into selfishness? For me, it's like my hobbies, the things I enjoy doing, uh, whether it's my five minutes on the couch after, after dinner, or it's, you know, driving up to my parents to go wakeboarding or any of these other things where like, I want to choose to do for myself, right? Those are areas or, or things in which like, I might choose into selfishness instead of choosing to love Tiffany. But the picture in this passage is like just the reminder of the gospel and, and the gospel love is this unselfish, unconditional love that Christ showed to the church, which resulted in, in him dying for the church so that we could have a relationship with Christ. So you might say, well, Jared, surely that is not a sustainable way to, to live and especially to live out of this relationship where there's always this like this, this back and forth, this conversation, this dialogue, right? Um, and I would say if it were by our own strength, I totally agree. Like we cannot do this on our own. But as Tiffany and I were, were studying this passage, I think what was so beautiful for, for us is that very like smack in the middle of this description of you know, how wives submit and how husbands are to love is this picture and reminder of the gospel. Um, Christ's love for the church is the example for husbands to love their wives, um, but it is also the means for doing so. Uh, and Frank, you can put this up, but, it, but I was reminded and it kind of boils down to this, that the gospel is this perfect example of unselfish love. And we have a God that loved us first. And based on this, this lets us lay down our own selfishness to, to love our spouse. Um, Tiffany and I are by no means perfect at this. Um, if you really want to put this passage to the test, I, I'd say uh, prep a sermon together. Um, we, we definitely struggled to submit and love each other well uh, as we expressed our different styles of preparation. Tiffany with her outline ready like four weeks ago, I think when they first asked us, um, and me with my last minute frenzy this morning to uh, kind of finalize what I was planning on saying. So, but regardless, right, we, we are very encouraged by just the, the presentation of the gospel, like right here in the marriage relationship. 
uh, and, and, and Paul keeps going back to it, right? And this is just the picture of love, right? Christ came down and in an act of selfless submission and of love, he laid down his life for us so that we can have a relationship with the father and his act of loving us first enables us to, to be able to die to ourselves um, in these roles that are called out in this passage for, for the marriage relationship. So anyway, that, that, there's just a little picture into kind of our marriage and our stories. And obviously these are just little snippets of um, what marriage and living out this passage might look like. Um, but I encourage you to, to remember to always go back to the gospel, right? God loved us um, and, and made a way for a relationship with him. And it is out of that that then we are able to fulfill these roles and responsibilities given to us in, in the marriage relationship. Um, that's basically all we got this morning. Uh, why, don't I, why don't I pray for us? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word um, and for the reminder that you are at the center of it all. God, we know that this passage is challenging um, and uh, sometimes even controversial. And, and this idea of submitting and loving uh, is not an easy thing to do, uh, nor is it something that we can do without you. God, we were also reminded, Tiffany and I, just as we prepared, that, that really our marriage is not meant to look like just anyone else's marriage um, because it is essentially different at the core. Uh, at the very foundation of our marriage is, is you and the example that you gave by loving us unconditionally and unselfishly. And so we, we look to you uh, as we try to live that out in our own lives. And, and God, I pray that uh, as our church congregation is, is wrestling with what it means like to live out relationships in their own lives, uh, would they also be reminded of your love uh, and just how your gospel is really the center and the foundation for us to be able to do this. Uh, God, would we look to you when, when it is hard to do on our own? And, and would we uh, really rely on uh, your love as we try to love our spouses? Uh, and I'd also like to just take a moment to, to pray a special blessing over our fathers. Um, God, we thank you that you are our father uh, and that you have gifted us with, with fathers here on earth. Um, God, we know that that includes those that have raised us and teach, uh, taught us and uh, we also know that that often includes uh, adoptive fathers or spiritual fathers. And, and we just thank you for those people that you have brought into our lives uh, that are just a small picture of what it means uh, for you to love us, your children. Uh, and so we thank you for these examples that you've given us. Uh, God, I also want to lift up those that are hoping to be fathers and have struggled in that area. Uh, God, I know that that is emotional and, and very challenging for them. And uh, we just want to pray, pray for your blessing over them. Uh, and that you would remind them of your goodness, even in the space or challenging circumstance that, that they find themselves in. Uh, and that we also want to lift up those that maybe don't have the best uh, experience with their fathers here on earth. Uh, would they be reminded and comforted uh, by you, our heavenly father, who does not fail uh, and who has demonstrated this unconditional and unselfish love. Uh, and God, we also want to lift up those that have uh, maybe lost their fathers. You know, especially in this past year with, with COVID, that there have been lots of lives lost and uh, just in very tragic ways and sad ways. And um, we just pray that you are with them in their grieving um, and that you uh, just come around them and, and comfort them um, and that they would be able to look to you uh, for peace. Uh, but God, we, we, we just thank you overall that you are this picture, uh, this, this perfect picture of, of a father uh, and, 
and again, we thank you for all the people that you have brought into our lives um, that, that have this father role here on earth and, and are able to bless us. Um, we love them very much, and we are so grateful for them. And so we pray all of this in your son's holy name. Amen. Uh, now I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Ben to lead us through some communion. Thank you, um, Jared and Tiffany, for uh, the message and your honesty and transparency uh, on a gospel-centered uh, marriage. Um, I don't know about you guys, but it was so refreshing to hear from a non pastoral people as we continue on the series of a whole new world uh, on the book of Ephesians. Uh, good morning church family. Uh, my name is Pastor Ben, uh, one of the pastors here at CLC and once again happy Father's Day to all the fathers, grandfathers, dads-to-be and all the spiritual fathers uh, out there. Now this week, um, I've added uh, another car um, to my insurance policy. Actually, uh, one of the things that I got, I received uh, that Pastor uh, Andrew was, uh, you know, trying to give away was uh, one of his cars, his Prius. And maybe you have heard the insurance company talk about the term "new for old," which means that you, when you make a claim, uh, you'll be given uh, the equivalent value of an item that had been lost, damaged, or stolen. Now, as I was kind of reminded of this, the the term "new for old." I have to tell you the truth that God had thought of this concept a very, very long time ago when God offered us a new life uh, for our old life. Now, and it doesn't depend on the quality of our old life. Uh, and this offer is unconditional. And, and the worse the life it is, it was, it is better the offer. And anyone can apply. And there is no special conditions. And God would accept anyone who makes decisions on their faith. And God's grace is this free gift of this new life because of the blood of Jesus Christ, Jesus' death on the cross. And it is free for us. But, you know, um, it is very, very expensive. It was costly for Jesus because it cost Jesus everything he had. Um, all this is possible because, once again, the blood of Jesus Christ and his death. And it is so good. It is so simple, and it is so, yet so true. And so this morning, as we take our communion, uh, we receive the body and the blood of Jesus Christ that we once took um, by faith. And as we take this communion this morning, uh, we remember. We want to remember what we had received in this new life. So on the night which Jesus uh, was to be betrayed, uh, he took the bread and he had given things and he had broken and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after the supper and saying, this is, a, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink. It is remembrance of me. And you know what? Um, um, I am so glad uh, of this new life that he had taken um, uh, of our old. And um, we remember this morning again for what he had done on the cross. So uh, let's pray uh, before we partake uh, of the communion. So let's pray. Lord, uh, as we take this bread representing your life that was broken for us, 
remember then celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who receive you this morning. You know, Lord, I can't begin to phantom um, the agonizing suffering of that crucifixion. And yet you took that pain for us. You die for us. And Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you for your extravagant love, the love that you showed uh, in um, the love relationship between a husband and I and this unmerited favor. And we thank you uh, for your death that gave us this abundant life, the new life that we have which is eternal forever. And Lord, as you have instructed your disciples, um, Lord, we too receive this bread um, in remembrance of you. In the same way, Lord, we take this cup uh, representing of your blood pour out for a splinter cross. We realize that you are the supreme sacrifices for all our sins, past, present, and future. And because of your blood, which was shed for us, and that your body was broken for us, that we can be free from the power and the penalty of sin. Lord, once again, we thank you uh, for the victory over death, that you took the death that we deserve, and you took our punishments, and your pain was indeed for our gain. And today, as we take up this communion, remember and celebrate the precious gift of life that you give to us through the blood of Jesus Christ, which you have spilled uh, on that cross. And Father God, we thank you so very much. And in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Now, um, as you have prepared um, for uh, the communion, the bread and the wine uh, and the drink. So um, as we take it, uh, we want to pass it back to Gordon and to our men's choir as you partake of the communion. 